0: Welcome to Creative Peacemail Podcast, a podcast for creatives. I'm your host, Tami Takeishi. Mm-hmm. Join me for compelling conversations with artists, actors, authors, musicians, and other creatives about the impact of the creative and fine arts in their lives and our ever-changing world. Thank you for listening. Welcome to Creative Piecemeal Podcast. My name is Tami Takeishi and today I'm joined by designer Anita Joyce. Anita Joyce is a successful designer with a blog on French design at cedarhillfarmhouse.com. She also co-hosts a podcast, Designer Tips and Tricks, and has a book called Called French Accents About Decorating in the French Country Style, now in its second edition. Welcome to the podcast, Anita. So great to have you.
1: Well, it's wonderful to be here. And it's always fun talking to you, Tammy. So I'm excited uh, to be here with you. And Thank congratulations you. on your new It's a very exciting podcast.
0: endeavor. <laughs> um, you're a podcast veteran, though. Where, where can we find your designing tips
1: and tricks? Sorry. De- decorating well, it's, desi- tips and de- tricks. it's decorating tips and tricks. <laughs> and, hey, as long as people find us, we don't care what they call us. Uh, well, we're on Apple podcast and really on any podcast, uh, app that people want to use Spotify or whatever. Uh, we are there and you can go directly to our website, decorating tips and if you'd like also. So, and yeah, I've so listened we have to a lot a of fun talking episodes. about decorating. It's a
0: really great relaxing and entertaining, especially on long commutes. Um, and then you're like, oh, now I now I want to
1: just stop at the store and pick up things to decorate. I know it's it's better to listen to it when you're maybe doing a walk in the neighborhood so that when you finish the episode, you can go back in your house and then do the stuff that we talked about in your room. So I know you nice got your by the house.
0: start um, many years ago and were inspired by French decorating. And I absolutely love how you begin your book, French Accents. It's very accessible. And it's so, um, so interesting to hear about how you were inspired and what where you came from. But can you tell me a little more about your journey from there to now?
1: Well, it's, it's, it's been a fun thing, because I decided to start the blog because I love design and decorating. And I really wanted to create a wonderful place for other like-minded people to hang out where there were beautiful photographs uh, of of my home and and other places. And where there was interesting, where I had some interesting, easy to follow ideas of things people could do in their own home uh, that was interesting to read. So I kind of just put my head down and started working. And uh, really, at first, I only had two people that read my blog, Uh, My friends, Peggy and Caroline, and my own family thought it was a waste of my time. And, you know, it it was just kind of a, a, a long journey. I've been doing this almost 10 years, Tammy. So it it took quite a while to build up a following and not when i started pinterest wasn't around instagram wasn't around so it was it was a long time ago uh, but uh you know when you put put yourself out there and uh really just kind of stick with it uh, things usually happen and So I just kind of put my head down and worked and I didn't really care if anybody read my blog or, uh, you know, I just wasn't worried about the numbers or anything I just wanted to have a beautiful place and so I heard from readers that that they liked it and, and so we kind of created a community and it's. It's been a fun journey, and along the way you know i got, I got more followers or more I shouldn't call them followers, really the more like minded people and and readers and uh, it's just it's the the blog has just been a wonderful opportunity for me to meet so many wonderful people that think like I do that love design or people that just want to learn more about design. And then also it's opened up the door for me to, uh, with publishers. And so I've had really been blessed with lots of opportunities to be in print magazines and to work with wonderful sponsors and to have a few collections with uh, like soft soft surroundings and and Joss and Maine. And, you know, all that came from my blog. And I think it's the story, the moral of the story is, you know, if if I can do it, somebody else could do it because when I started my blog, I was a nobody. Nobody knew who I was. And, you know, not that there's a lot of people, you know, not, you know, it's just kind of my, my little uh, corner of the world, people know about me. But I guess the thing is, you can start out with nobody knowing who you are, and just kind of start a blog, start a presence on the internet, uh, on social media, and, and get some wonderful opportunities from it. So it's been, it's been such a fun ride. And, such an incredible blessing and it's really been one of and the it's best it's a things hallmark of a true artist
0: when you're doing something and you can see the passion and the love that they put into their work and you know i i love your designs and you know i've seen your work firsthand and i can i see the love you put into it and the energy and you know like you said whether you have one like-minded follower or hundreds of thousands you know i can definitely tell that you're doing it because it's a passion of yours and, but you didn't start out being a designer. You
1: sort of fell into it along the way. Is that right? Sort of. I mean, I, um, you know, I wanted to be an artist, when I first was thinking about college and, you know, I kind of had that discussion that a lot of young people have with their parents where my dad said, you know, you're going to be poor. You're going to, you know, eat porridge every day. You're going to live in a van down by the river. You know, do you really want that? And I just pictured, you know, old newspapers on the wall and ratty furniture. And I thought, I can't do this. And I just thought, I want to be in a pretty house. So I just said, well, I guess I'll just be an engineer. So actually, that's what I ended up doing. Uh, But that wasn't my original plan. But I actually, I like the engineering, believe it or not. But uh, so when I actually went back to, but I've always loved design. And that was my favorite thing to do uh, as soon as uh, we had my, I had my own house was to decorate it. So it's really been my passion for, for my whole life almost.
0: What is one of the biggest myths about design?
1: I think one of the biggest myths is that you have to have a real talent for it to have a pretty house, or you have to hire someone that's really not true. And it's really evidenced by all the listeners of, of our podcast. They contact us all the time and they say, you know what? I didn't think I really was good at decorating, but I've been listening to your podcast and I now have confidence to go buy things for my house. I have confidence to do things. And so I really think it's something that anybody can pick up, even if they feel like they're not good at it. Uh, you can really improve a lot and have a beautiful house that, that suits you.
0: So it's sort of a practice makes perfect meeting a person's personal style essentially
1: yeah I think it's exactly I mean you're going to try things some things are going to work some things aren't uh and it's all about getting your own personal style and the real thing that we try to steer people away from are things that we know are going to be disasters you know because we've been doing this long enough we you know if you can make a mistake we've probably made it and so we can steer people away from certain mistakes that uh are, are big mistakes because you, know, you want to be making little mistakes that you're learning from, but the big ones, nobody wants to uh, paint their, you know, pay painters to paint their entire exterior and then hate it.
0: And I noticed, um, especially in your book, one of the pages I thought was so interesting was when you shared your progression of the decor above your bed and how it changed. Um, and there's no wrong or right answer. It's just, they're all different. And I think that's something about design that people may find surprising um, as they they learn that there's not really like a really wrong answer. There's certain things that you want to avoid, like you said, but there's so many right answers depending on the personality and the budget and what someone's going for.
1: Right. And I think a real secret of learning good design is trying different things. And it's, you may not know before you do it, if it's going to look right, but most people can look in something and say that looks good or it doesn't. So if you've tried 10 different things above your bed, chances or whatever, chances are one of those things looks really good. And uh, so you just keep trying it till you find something that, that really works. But you're right. There isn't just one just Perfect thing, but that's also how I learned a lot is by constantly moving things around. Then you kind of figure out, oh, this sort of thing tends to work in this situation, and this other thing uh, doesn't.
0: What's something that you wish you'd known when you first started out with
1: the blog and everything? Well, Tammy, you probably know this by now, and that is that, uh, you know, there's two approaches. The first approach, I think, is the one I'd had for a long time in life, and that is I'll just try it. If it works, it It works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And that is not the way you are successful. What I learned is uh, to be successful at whatever you're doing is you have to say, I'm going to stick with this until it's successful. I'm going to persevere because that's the thing I didn't understand uh, as an entrepreneur. When I tried things in the early days, before I started my blog, I would have failures and I would think, well, this, I'm just not cut out to be an entrepreneur. I had no idea that all successful entrepreneurs have a, uh, you know, a, a, many, many failures that they've worked through. And that that is part of the learning process. And that is how you get good at anything is by making mistakes. Very true. Very true.
0: And and um, even when someone comes to something with a passion and absolutely loves it, there's, there's still mistakes. They're still growing. There's still room to learn. Um, what is something that you're curious to learn about as we come into the new year?
1: Well, I don't know that it's really something that's going to help my my career so, so to speak but I will tell you my passion uh in design and decorating is antiques I've always loved antiques uh because it it marries my some of my loves one is history and and interior design so I love studying antiques so if I had more time I would study antiques more that is just a real passion of mine I always love to think about who had these these uh, pieces of furniture? How did they live? What was life like? And just what were their lives like? And, and so I have so many old things, and I just imagine, you know, what what like what what these pieces have seen. If only the furniture could talk, right? Well, right, right, and it can tell us some things, but not as much as I want to know. I want to know the whole kit and caboodle. I think that's what
0: draws me to antiques too. Um, I just like to well. It's been a while, but I I love just sort of browsing the stores and. And seeing like, oh, you know, where, where did this belong? Who owned this? You know, and it's very true also with uh, musical instruments, you know, except they come with a, a little more detailed story of who owned it and things like that. But, but with antiques, you know, you get such a wide variety, you know, you can get something mid-century or you can get something from the the French style, you know, the 1800s or, or if you're really lucky, something from like way centuries back, you know, and, and just imagining the kind of history
1: that comes with that. I imagine you also like to go to museums as well. I do. Actually, I was planning to be a docent at Bayou Bend here in Houston uh, until I found out the time requirement And because I love their collections there and it's all American history uh, all, and it's furniture. So it's in, it's in a historic home um, setting. So uh, if I had more time, I would do it. It's it's very involved, and you have to agree to do a tour a week, basically. So, uh, if it weren't so involved, I would have done that. But yeah.
0: What's your favorite piece that you currently own in your home?
1: Oh, ooh, that's a tough one. Oh, really? So you're going to ask me like, so next the next question is what's your who's your favorite child? Right? I know that's coming because that's how that sounds. Um, probably the Armoire uh, in my in my. Uh, breakfast room it was one of the first pieces actually I think that is the first piece uh, antique piece I bought and I we converted it into a china cabinet so it has all my favorite little antique pieces of uh, French dishes in there and and English and American dishes and uh, I think that's what started my love of French antiques was that beautiful piece so it's probably that one
0: I think I remember that one it's gorgeous oh thank you everything in your home is gorgeous Oh, you're so sweet. Thanks. So what is the best compliment you've ever received? If you've been feeling burned out, stressed, overwhelmed, or exhausted, the resources and courses at the Self-Care Institute are here to support you. The Self-Care Institute was founded by Dr. Ami Kunimura and provides support for individuals and organizations with burnout prevention, burnout recovery, and stress management. I've personally taken a few of these courses and found them to be super helpful, both professionally and personally. The care you give yourself matters just as much as the care you give to others. But if self-care is difficult for you, you're not alone. And the Self-Care Institute is here to support your well-being, resilience, and sense of fulfillment at work and at home. For more information, visit selfcareinstitute.com or go to the show notes and click on the link.
1: Well, I think the best compliment was when uh, Country French Magazine, which if you're into the Country French design, I mean, that's kind of the creme de la creme, uh, there's several French Decor magazines, but Country French magazine by Meredith is kind of the creme de la creme in that in my field. And so when they asked to put my house in their magazine and actually put my house, a picture from my house on their cover, that was one of the biggest compliments. And then in their next issue, they actually listed me as one of their favorite style makers. And so I, I just thought, you know, it's kind of like I, I can't get any better than this. This is just wonderful, and it's always been my favorite magazine. So that was probably it for me, even though most people probably haven't heard of that magazine, but for me, it, it, and, and gosh, what you have to know is these other houses that they feature in there are these multi-million-dollar chateaus. And here's my wee little, you know, craftsman style house in there. And actually the funny thing is my house is the only one that they didn't show the front of my house. Cause I actually have, you know, a small craftsman style house, whereas all the other houses, like I said, are these massive chateaus. So anyway, <laughs> but anyway, it was, it was a real honor.
0: That sounds, that sounds wonderful. And you've been featured uh, quite a lot across various publications, and I'm sure that's always a highlight no matter when it happens.
1: It is, it is. And it's just, it's, I, it's still wonderful. And I just found out uh, a few weeks ago, I was in a magazine. I, I didn't even know about that was, was on the shelf. Somebody said, Hey, this is your house. So that happens too. So yeah, it's, it's always fun and um Yeah, even if it's happened several times, which which is has happened just from having the blog. So it's really a great way for people to get their name out and whatever their business is, is to have a blog or have an Instagram account. And, and, you know, it's amazing uh, how many people find you there.
0: Do you have um, any advice for someone who wants to make a career out of design?
1: you know, I mean, obviously you need to be honing your craft. And so if somebody has no experience and they didn't go to, you know, interior design school, I would say, the place to start if you want to do design or be a decorator or whatever, is to start working with friends and just do work for free, start your portfolio, get good with your camera skills, take lots of photos of your work, of your own house, of other people's houses, move things around so you have lots of photos. And then you're gonna need a website, you're gonna need a presence on social media, And just start posting things and start posting opinions. See if you can get featured in some magazines. I know a lot of bloggers that will only work with a magazine if they get paid for their their photos. And I, that's never been my philosophy. I've always said, if you want them, I will give you the pictures. Uh, you can use my photos. I'm not going to charge you. Um, but just mention my book or, you know, please uh, promote this or that. And I've always seen it as free advertising. So I think that's, you know, you're going to be looking for ways to get some free advertising like that. And, um, so again, I mean, you just, but I will say it takes a lot of hard work And I'm telling you, my family thought I was nuts for a long time.
0: Have they changed their tune since then?
1: Well, only I think that first check, my husband's like, "Now who gave you money? I, what? They paid you money? I still remember that. He thought it was a waste of time until I got that first check. Then he's like, okay, this sounds good. (laughs) Because, you know, as a a blogger and and an Instagrammer, uh, I do that's one of the things I do a lot is work with sponsors. So, uh, you know, I have ads and there's affiliate income, but also the sponsors. So it's, it, so you do get paid for it. So, I mean, if you have a, you know, a, a certain size following.
0: And I'm sure it's always nice to see that hard work pay off, you know, and, you know, then you can use that to reinvest in your business or, you know, or to get more pieces for decorating, you know, and and what have you. And it, it sounds like design is, again, just like all the other creative arts, you know, you, you have to work hard, you have to have a clear passion for it. And, you know, if it's meant to be, you know, with all of those factors, it's meant to be.
1: Yes, yes, that's true. But it's, it's a lot of work, I will say, no matter if someone wants to be an entrepreneur, you know, as as you know, it's, it's a lot of work, you can't just expect instant success, it's not going to happen the first week or first month, you're going to have to put a lot of time in before you get, uh, get paid.
0: So obviously
1: you love design, but, uh, do you do any other creative pursuits? Uh, well, I will say since I started my blog, which was almost 10 years ago, I haven't had a lot of time to do much else, but I, my second love, I always said, if I didn't do a blog on interior design, I would do it on, uh, cooking and baking, because that's something I love. But the, the funny thing was, when I started my blog, it was going to be about design and kind of other things, travel and, and, uh, and baking and, and cooking. But when you start doing surveys and looking at the analytics of your blog or whatever, I began to see what my readers wanted, and I found out that they wanted design from me, but they didn't want any recipes from me, which was just kind of funny because I love to cook. But when I saw that, I thought, well, I'm because when I would post a recipe, they they wouldn't even show up. So I thought, okay, okay, I get it. I will do that on my own time, but I'm not going to share it on my blog.
0: It's funny you mentioned recipes because that is a uh, hallmark signature of something that I do both on my creative arts blog as well as the podcast. Is ask for recipes from my guests, um, which we'll get to shortly. But I feel that culinary arts is is a whole is is just just as interesting as all the other arts. So it's, that's one of the reasons why I like to ask for recipes.
1: Well, and I will say if you love to cook, uh, you will never be alone on a holiday. (laughs) You never have to worry about that. And uh, you will always have friends that will come over uh, of course right now you know it's it's during this uh a time where people are staying home and not not doing a lot of socializing but So I mean, just in normal times, but yes, it's, it's a great way to, uh, it's a great gift to people too. I love cooking for other people.
0: It is such a nice, a nice gift, very nurturing. And I know I'm not very good at cooking, but I definitely try to get better. Did you happen to jump on the, uh, sourdough bread bandwagon?
1: Interesting that you asked that because, uh, we are gluten-free here. And so I was a little panicked because I wasn't able to find the gluten-free bread. So I decided I was going to make bread at home. And so I did start some uh, gluten-free sourdough starter, but you know, it doesn't really, the recipe I had was not really good with the gluten-free. I think it would have worked very well with regular flour because I did used to make uh, sourdough bread all the time. So I actually found a recipe, well, I finally found some, when you could finally get some yeast, I, I came across a book on Amazon that's, I'll have to find it for you so you can put it in your show notes, but it's about a gluten-free bread making. And so actually I am making, I make this bread every week because my uh, family demands it, but basically uh, you do add some yeast to it, but you make the bread on, let's say Monday, and then you store it, let it rise and put it in overnight. And then you just scoop out enough to make bread every day. And that's a week's worth of bread. So all you have to do every day, once you've mixed it up and it's because it's gluten-free, you don't even have to knead it. So you just kind of shape it up, heat up your oven, pop it in. And um, it really takes maybe 15 minutes or maybe 10 minutes of your active time, not the baking time, but time you're involved in it, 10 minutes. And I have fresh bread every day now. And because it's uh, in the refrigerator all week, it has a sourdough flavor to it. Oh, that sounds lovely. It's
0: yeah, it's pretty good. Is it the kind that you can put like jam on it and things like that?
1: Yes. Or honey. Yes. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. So I don't know that may, ha- I don't know that may have to be the, the recipe that I share, but that that's a really, nice- and the one I make is actually a whole grain bread that's gluten-free. So it's got sorghum flour, brown rice flour, and I think oat flour in it as well.
0: And I'm sure it makes your whole house smell wonderful too.
1: It does. And you know, Kevin's working from a uh, home now, so he's, uh, So he just, when he smells that, he comes to the kitchen and (laughs) everyone shows up (laughs) when it comes out of the oven.
0: You don't even have to ring the dinner bell. You just take the bread out of the oven.
1: That's right. That's right. Or I send a bread, a loaf of bread emoji to everybody and they just show up in the kitchen. That sounds lovely, actually. (laughs) And interesting that we're talking about
0: bread because it always reminds me of France, like fresh bread baked bread and things like that. And you've done some traveling in France,
1: correct? Yes. Yes, I have. And that's really what kicked off my love of French decor was my first trip to France. And I didn't, you know, I just had this real affinity for it. And uh, I just fell in love with the people, the culture, the furniture. And uh, and then I found out that I had French ancestry, Uh but I didn't know it because these ancestors of mine were called Master, but actually they had anglicized it. It was actually a lemater. So um, maybe anyway, so apparently I have some French blood. And that may be why I love the French uh, style so much.
0: That's always exciting. Have you traced your genealogy at all?
1: Uh, n- no, I mean, I've, I've thought about doing that. I haven't, again, I just, I've just now been stopped working so frantically where I have no free time. So I may, I might be able to do that now, but that I think the people came over, I think they might've been the Huguenots and they might've come over, uh, because of religious persecution, um, in France that, cause they'd been here a long time. So yeah, that would be interesting. I should do that. What are some of your favorite places to have
0: traveled in France and, um,
1: and then, If you could travel anywhere else safely, uh, where would you go? Well, of course, Paris is um, Paris. I mean, if anyone has, if you've never been to France, I mean, that's, that would be the first place I would recommend to people to go because it is just a one of a kind. But uh, I fell in love really on this first trip to France in the Luberon Valley. We actually stayed in a little town called Lacoste with cobbled streets and little charming cafes. And it was a quieter, simpler life than Paris. Really charming, beautiful vistas. And I think When the owner of the bed and breakfast we were staying at, when he threw open those shutters and I saw the valley below and Banu, this little town on the other side of the Luberon Valley, I just gasped. And I thought it was the most beautiful scene I had ever seen. And I just saw how people just love to sit around and eat and communicate, you know, talk and laugh and spend time together. And I just felt it felt it just just meant so much to me. And I thought this is so different from what I was raised with, with the strong work ethic and, you know, you work to live, you know, rather than, no, you live to work or whatever. I mean, you know, it was the the opposite of that. It was kind of the work, work, work. That's what I was raised with. And this was more of a, well, you know, you work, but you also enjoy life. You spend time away from work and have a, it was a much more relaxed lifestyle. So it wasn't just France that I fell in love with but this lifestyle that was just so beautiful.
0: I think we can all get behind the nice relaxed work-life balance (laughs) lifestyle especially if you're in such a lovely place like exactly and
1: I you know I realized it wasn't practical to live there I mean I had no uh, you know delusions that I was going to get to move there but I just had the feeling like why can't I incorporate some of that beauty in my own home? Why can't I just incorporate some of these concepts in my own life? And that's really what I chose to do. And that's part of my journey of making my house have these French accents and then uh, just kind of embracing that whole enjoying life. You know, like when I have my tea You know, tea in the morning, I sit up and have a silver spoon. I have a beautiful china cup. I pour it from a teapot. And it's just a beautiful experience every morning rather than getting, you know, a styrofoam cup and pouring the tea in and stirring it. It's just, it's just such a more beautiful experience. And that's what life's about, you know, like
0: finding those small moments and beautiful experiences and looking for the beauty and all around you.
1: Oh, I think so. And really to have that kind of experience every day, you just need one silver spoon. You just need one pretty teacup and just wash it every day.
0: Have you noticed, um, you know, after you started transitioning your home to be the French country style.
1: Did you notice that things just felt more relaxed as uh, well? Yeah, because it just felt cozy and warm. And I, French, country French style is a very relaxed style. It, it has an elegance to it, but very much it's relaxed. And, and uh, you know, keep in mind, I'm doing, uh, you know, what I call my style is country uh, farmhouse French or updated country French. So it's not the old style country French from the 70s, you know, where the it's got the traditional, the blue, the cornflower blue and the yellow and the the orange. This is more the, you know, so I kind of updated the colors and everything. So it's just, it's a very peaceful, uh, relaxing design I think
0: yeah I think atmosphere has so much to do with it and you know when when you've decorated a room and it just clicks you know well, you can right feel and it. I think
1: it's even more important now because I, I'm a homebody so I'm I'm home all the time and it's very important to me to have a beautiful home. So I was kind of ahead of the curve. I had already worked on making my home beautiful to me, but I think for so many people that are now working from home, they kind of got caught off guard where they were used to kind of living their life outside and now they're stuck at home. And so I think now it's really, really important for everyone to have a beautiful home. Uh, Because you don't want to be sitting around staring at a basket of laundry or boxes that you didn't unpack when you moved into your house two years ago. I mean, this is stressful for people. Mm -hmm. Very true. I
0: think people really underestimate... The importance and mental health aspect of having a home that's organized, having a home that's decorated, that's true right. to And yourself. it doesn't have to
1: be expensively done. We're not talking about spending a lot of money. We're not talking about necessarily hiring somebody, but something that works for you. And a lot, I mean, really one of the main things we tell people all the time on the podcast is to declutter. That is one of the best things that anybody can do for their own, for just their own peace of mind in their home.
0: I know I was sort of forced into decluttering um, when I moved and I was like I can't believe
1: I owned this much. <laughs> stuff. I know. I know. I just you don't realize it and then you don't realize how it was too much until you get rid of it and then you think why didn't I do this before?
0: It's a it's a very cleansing feeling too and then when you declutter you're able to figure out more more of who you are, what you're can live with, what you can't live with, and
1: and almost make a fresh start. Right. And I will say I did do the Marie Kondo thing with the closets uh, two years ago and did all the, uh, so all my clothes in the drawers are all rolled so I can see everything in my drawers. I did that two years ago and I've kept it. And it's been one of the best things I did. I got all the organizer drawers in the, in all the drawers in the house. And it really lowered my stress level because now I know where everything is and, you know, otherwise you end up buying a tape dispenser and then you can't find it. And then you buy another one. And then they're, they're in three or four places around the house and you don't even know where they are. And it drives you nuts. Like, I'm not going to go buy another one. I know there's four in here somewhere. So uh, it it really is so helpful for everybody to do that.
0: I love Marie Kondo. Have you seen her show on Netflix?
1: I have not in a while, but uh, I saw it right around the time I was doing that. And uh, yeah, I think she's got some some great great techniques. And I think the concept of decluttering and organizing everything in your house is really important. You also talk in your book about
0: like, when you find something and it just speaks to you, like whether or not it's on trend, uh, the importance of just sort of going with your true self when it comes to selecting something. Is there anything in your home where when you were out looking at antiques or shopping that you were like, oh, I have to have that. I don't care. I need it. Yeah. My house is full of
1: those things. (laughs) It's not just one thing. There's so many things like that. Um, And, you know, if it's something that's just very unique. Yeah. I mean, in fact, I, you know, my, my ridiculous thing now that I've done, uh, the latest goofy thing I did was I bought the six, I mean, they're matching six hand-painted, uh, chairs from the early 1800s, uh, probably Boston, a federal style. Uh, they're amazing. I got them for, you know, a, a, a good price, a pretty good price. And, but I don't really have a room, room for them. I have no idea what I'm, I mean, they're just kind of, uh, I have them shoved in little corners. Uh, which is not good because then, you know, it's kind of cluttering a little bit, but that was the last thing I got. That was just kind of, I don't need this, but I couldn't stop myself. The next thing I knew they were in my car. I'm going to have to start driving a smaller SUV that doesn't fit large things in it.
0: There you go. There you go. Or, or get <laughs> uh, get a bicycle around town.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I've been wanting, yeah, I've been wanting one of those Vespas. So see, that might save me.
0: And it's very European.
1: Yes, exactly. Exactly. But I
0: completely understand that about seeing something and being like, okay, I've got to have that.
1: Oh, so bad. It's so bad. It's a disease. It is.
0: But you're a designer. So I feel like you can get away with it
1: more than than other people. Well, I could get away with it more at one point because I had a, a... a booth at an antique mall. And then I had an online store. So, you know, I would buy something new and then get, you know, if I brought something in, I would send something out, but I don't really have, uh, I'm not selling things right now. So yeah, I'm going to have to do a roundup for the, the uh, consignment store again, I think.
0: And speaking of stores in your book, you mentioned some really great places for people to go. Um, What's one of your favorites right now to find decorations and antiques?
1: Well, my favorite, I don't know if you've been to it. It's Heights Antiques on Yale, uh, here in the Heights. And it's been my favorite for a long time. And Christy, the owner, is just delightful to work with. And they have really good prices and some pretty beautiful pieces and nice sales. Uh, so, and it's well displayed. So that's, I think that's, uh, well, actually, they won some uh, Reader's Choice Award or something. So it's it's very popular here.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, I haven't been there in a long time, but I'm glad to hear that they're doing well.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. It's a great store. Is there any question that you wish I would have asked you? No, I mean, I think, I mean, to me, the point of this is hopefully for somebody listening to this to have a spark of excitement about pursuing their own dreams and about following uh, their own passions and spending time on their own creativity. So I'm, I'm hoping that what we've done is, is encourage somebody to do that. So if we've done that, then I think we've, we've, that's a good thing. Agreed. And that's part of what, you know, had
0: me start the podcast as well as sharing the world of these different creative artists, what inspires them and, and hoping to inspire other people to pursue the arts, whether it's just a hobby or even more, more professionally on a professional level. So um before we go, where can we find you again on social media?
1: Uh, social media I am Cedar Hill Farmhouse on Instagram and then my page is Cedar Hill Farmhouse on Facebook and uh, those are the two places that I hang out besides my blog Cedar Hill Farmhouse and then of course the podcast that we we talked about decorating tips and trips, tricks.
0: Excellent. Well thank you so much Anita for being on the show today and listeners. I hope you check out her book as well called French Accents available at your local Amazon and bookstores. Thanks for having me, Tammy. It's
1: always delightful to talk with you.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast. Like the show? Have a question? Stop by the Facebook and Instagram pages. Links are in the show notes or search for a creative piecemeal podcast on social media and click follow for all the latest.